0: You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. But let's pray, and then we'll start off in Ephesians 6, uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the worship, Lord, just being in your presence and Lord, that's, that's one of the, our objectives, to experience the presence of God. And thank you for gracing us with your presence. And you are wonderful, you're merciful. I ask, Lord, as we, we share these secrets that Paul taught, Lord, of how to fight this Christian fight to expand the kingdom of God, just open up eyes, give us insights, oh God in some parts are challenging, Lord. Let our hearts and our minds be open. Lord, we wanna walk purely and holy before you. We love you, Jesus. Use these words of mine. Let them in fact be your words, not mine. And Lord, let it not be my own persuasive words, but, but an unction of your spirit that reaches every single person. Listen to me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, re- to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and in your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we're gonna start out focusing in verse 16, which says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So Paul Paul is giving us, Spiritual application for an analogy of a Roman soldier. So he said in in the Roman times, I mean, Rome had the best army and their soldiers were outfitted. And he was saying that we need to take up similar spiritual armor to help in our battle. And the first, uh, this one we talked about today is the shield of faith. And as far as ancient Rome, this was one of the most important tools uh, was the shield. It was essential to protect against attacks, swords, arrows, stones, Spears or the like. And used in formation, the soldiers with their shields was the defining equipment in the battles. And a properly trained Roman soldier, he could use his shield to guard his whole body so nothing can penetrate him. And actually, it prote- protected him completely and it actually protected his other pieces of armor. Now, faith is mentioned twice in this armor. First, it's the breastplate of faith and love, and secondly, it's the shield of faith. And that's what Paul is trying to teach us here. But this, uh, the, the shield of faith, of faith must be understood a little bit different than the, the breastplate of faith. Because the breastplate of faith is for our own personal righteousness, but the shield is faith for protection and provision for us and for those behind the shield with us, like our family, our friends, our businesses, our finances. The shield covers everything. It gives us a protection. So faith in this case is what deflects the attacks of the enemy. Anybody have an attack from the enemy this year? We need a shield to deflect all those attacks because Satan will attack us, and that is certain. And I said that the very first week we talked about it. It's hard to imagine sometimes, but Satan hates you with a pure, unadulterated hatred. If you're on the ground, wounded and dying, he'll feel good about putting that final thrust in you. You know, we have that kind of enemy. And this shield protects our minds, our hearts, our body, our finances, our health. And he'll, he'll, he'll attack any area that he can get, get at you. And the more, most diabolical part about it is if he can't reach you, he'll reach people close to you. He'll go after your spouse. He'll go after your kids. He'll go after your family your grandkids, your business, everything. And we must use the shield of faith, not only to protect us, to protect the people uh, behind us. And the bigger your faith, the bigger your shield of faith, the bigger your protection will be from these onslaughts. So a recent example I had of this was on Sunday, July 22nd. We were out here just a couple months ago, I was here at church. At the end of the second service, my elderly mom, who was here, she tripped over something over here, and she ended up falling face first right on the cement. And she was close enough, so I saw everything, but far enough, I couldn't help her. So my wife and I and a bunch of people rushed over, and we saw her, we turned her over, and she was knocked out cold, starting to bleed. And you know what? Uh, my wife started to get worried, and you know she's a doctor, and when she gets worried, it's like, man, I better be worried too. And so we took her to the hospital, and she was awake but acting strange. You know, my, mom, my wife was thinking maybe it's a brain bleed, a broken hip, who knows. And we got the diagnosis. She broke her cheekbone, broke a finger, broke her wrist, and got a concussion. I think we have a picture up here. Um, and so she, she looked pretty bad. <laughs> um, my dad's 88, so they end, they end up releasing her. And uh, my brother was away at the time, so I ended up having to go spend the night over there and kind of had to drop everything and help take care of her. Um, And at some point, I had this idea. I thought, you know what, Um, it was interesting because I I thought, you know, maybe this was an attack against my mom. And I thought to myself, well, why would the enemy attack my mom? And I thought, well, maybe he's trying to get to me. And at first I thought, well, okay, everything isn't about me, so – Uh, You know, I don't want to be all full of myself. uh, But I couldn't shake that thought. And then I thought more about it. Because two days later, uh, the elders were going to vote whether to make me the lead elder or not. And I almost thought, you know what, let's just postpone that. Like, what if something seriously happened to my mom? You know, my brother and I, we made a commitment to take care of him. And, you know, I just thought, you know, maybe I can't do it. And I was thinking about just backing out. And and then I started praying about it and I thought, well, no, the Lord has called me to do this. And then I thought, you know, maybe this is really an attack from the enemy. So we prayed and I had a peace and I just thought, you know what, I'm just gonna move forward. And, and then I got a peace and my mom made an amazing recovery. Um, her finger and wrist healed very quickly. There was no permanent damage to her head, which is good. And all the bruising went away. And usually when an enemy attacks, It'll cause this momentary thing where your life feels like it's falling apart. But in the end, there's no permanent damage. And my mom's as beautiful as ever. She's right up here. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. So without the shield of faith, the enemy's darts may hit us and throw us off course. Because God has a plan for you. And the enemy's job is to throw you off course and to thwart that plan. We have the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. It's just like any, any battle here in the natural. And have you had any kind of flaming darts thrown at you this year? And, you know, probably if if you have, one of the responses is, you know what, I'll just quit. I'll give up. This is too much. But something inside you says, no, keep going. God wants you to keep going. So take your shield of faith and say, not today, Satan. Satan. You know what, I'm going to hold the shield of faith and I'm going to keep going because I know God will protect me no matter how big or flaming those arrows will be. There is a saying, it says, it's darkest before the dawn. You ever heard that saying? And oftentimes, some of the fiercest attacks will hit you right before God has the biggest breakthroughs in your life. So take the shield of faith and trust God, don't give up. And use that shield of faith to cover Everybody behind you who you represent, your kids, your family, your business, your your employees, or your boss. You know, the Secret Service, they protect the president against attacks. But they also protect the first lady and the kids. Because, if you know, they probably can't get to the president. It's pretty hard. But if they can get to the first lady and take her out or the kids, that would totally disrupt any, pre- any sitting president. And he might even resign over that because it would just cause so much problem. So that's why the Secret Service covers the family too. So using the shield of faith to protect your loved ones is almost like the Secret Service protecting your family. You know, I learned this lesson when I was a new community group leader all the way back in 1999. Any, anybody alive in 1999? Remember that Prince song, "Party Like It's 1999." Anyway, <laughs> remember uh, anyway. I'm diverging, I remember I was in high school that song came out, and I was like, "Wow, 1999. It seems so far." And now we're looking back, and it's like, "Man, that's a long time ago." Anyway, I had an incident where I had a furniture store. I think I've mentioned that before, and we witnessed a lot. And there was this guy I witnessed to, and I invited him to our community group. His name was Jose, and God ended up using me to to help this guy, Jose. And I don't know how exactly the enemy knows this, but I think the enemy sensed something was going to happen, so he tried to thwart my relationship with Jose from the beginning. So at that first community group meeting, um, I had a, I, my son Lucas was eighteen months old, and my my daughter Crystal, she was just a newborn, and they came, they were at the group with us, and. Um, you know, so during the gr- group when this guy, Jose, was talking and sharing, my son was kind of running around. And all of a sudden, he slipped. He hit the coffee table, and boom, he hit the big gash and big bruise, and he started bleeding profu- profusely. So I, I think we have a picture of it up here <laughs> back in the day. And I remember I had the thought almost instantaneously. I felt like it was a spiritual attack. I mean, my son has a lot of bruises, so... You know, I I don't say that flippantly. There's a lot of stuff in life that just happens. But I just sensed this. And afterwards, I talked to my wife, and I was like, did you sense it was like a spiritual attack or something? And she's like, yeah, I did. And so I really made me think. And and I kind of knew it was because this guy, Jose, was there. And I didn't know the implications. But I seriously thought, I thought, you know what? Is it worth having this guy in my house if it means something might happen to my to my, my, my son or any other kids? And it made me think. And I, I asked my wife, and it was like, you know what? Are we good parents by doing this? And, and we really felt the Lord says, no, trust us. Trust us in this. Put up that shield of faith. So we ended up praying, and, and we felt that peace. And we, we did a simple prayer of faith to cover our family in ministry, while we do ministry. And you know what? We did, and nothing's ever happened to Lucas or Crystal or my youngest daughter, Bethany. And even this year, since I've taken on a bigger role, you know, I mean, life happens and disappointments and stuff, but I don't think there's ever been a real major spiritual attack against them because we've consistently put up the spiritual, uh, you know, the, the shield of faith. And as far as Jose goes, he got saved. I discipled him. He married his girlfriend, whom he'd been living with for years, and they actually had four kids together. So she got saved, they got involved in the church, and you know what? The the enemy knew it and he tried to he attacked my son to get me to give up, but yet because you know, sometimes you just stumble on this. I didn't think I was this big spiritual giant, but somehow he stumbled on it, and we obeyed God, and God took care of it. And we here all these years late all these years later. So as a parent, my challenge is to pick up your shield of faith and cover your kids. As a son or daughter, pick up your shield of faith and cover your parents. As a spouse, pick up your shield of faith and cover your spouse. As a grandparent, pick up your shield of faith and cover your grandchildren. How about as a friend? Pick up your shield of faith and cover your friends. Or as a boss? You know, those people are under your authority. Pick up your shield and cover them. Or as, a, as an employee, Cover your boss, even if you don't like him. (laughs) The shield of faith is an amazing piece of armor that will not only protect you, but will also protect your family and those within your circle of influence use it. So in verse 16, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The shield of faith is so strong that it can handle everything that comes your way. All the darts all circumstances. Now, the beauty of a Roman shield was its ability to resist almost any attack. Uh, Paul said it can extinguish all the flaming darts. And, you know, sometimes those attacks back in those days, they used to send these flaming arrows and they used to use those shields. And so before battle, the inside of the shield was covered with leather and they used to soak it in water beforehand to extinguish the flames. It was brilliant. And so, the one providing the armor, he gives, his troop equi- he gives his troops proper equipment to survive any battle. And interestingly, the shield is the only def- defensive piece of armor which can also protect other soldiers. You ever see those scenes where the Roman legions, they kind of got in this little cocoon and there was no arrows that can pe- penetrate it? They would, also, they would often fight in formation and interlock with their shields and their arms. And when they fought as a group, I think we have a picture of it, the soldiers could position their shields, and they called what they, 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 they formed what they called like a tortoise. It was completely protected. And it was especially helpful to protect against arrows that flew from far away. And, you know, this is especially important because despite being fully clothed in the armor of God, there's one area of your body that is left unprotected. Anybody remember what that is? You're back. You're back. Why is that? That is actually very significant. Well, the implication is in the time of, of Paul with the Rome, Roman soldiers, it was always understood that foot soldiers would fight in close ranks. They were trained to fight this way and never break rank. Every soldier knew the particular soldier who would be on his right or his left, And so if they were being hard-pressed and they could not protect their own back, they knew they had a comrade next to them to protect their back. And this is the same of Christians. I believe that we cannot go as isolated soldiers to try to take on the devil's kingdom by ourselves. We need each other. We need to be in fellowship with one another in church. We need to be in fellowship with one another in community group. Otherwise your back might be exposed. And something I've noticed in our church, there's a distinct difference between people in community group and people who aren't. People in community group, like there's needs, people have surgery, people are sick. And when I call someone who's in a community group, it's like easy peasy. Like they're taken care of, food is coming, they're, you know, they have everything they need. The church doesn't need to do anything. When people aren't in the community group, usually by the time we find out, it's very critical or almost too late because none of their needs are getting met. People in community group, they care for each other, they encourage each other, they support each other, they sharpen each other. It's like what the Romans used to do, how they used to fight. It's called the power of family. That's one of our, one of our uh, phrases from uh, our mission statement, the power of family. And we have to be like those soldiers who fight this battle in very tight formation and rely on each other. You have to find your place in the body of Christ You have to know who stands on your right, who stands on your left. You have to be able to trust your fellow soldiers. And sometimes people, when they come to our church, they're hesitant just to jump into community. Why? Well, because they have had experiences in the past that I'd rather not say, but I believe is true. The real tragedy of our Christian experience sometimes is that the very person who's supposed to protect your back is the one who wounds you. And unfortunately, we do that here in church. And we do it pretty good, you know, unfortunately, but it shouldn't be. And how often, as us as Christians, are we wounded in the back by our fellow Christians? We receive the wound, we give the wound. This year, the world is more divided than I've ever seen it. Wouldn't you agree? Even in the church. And some people start disagreeing with each other. Instead of covering each other's backs, they start wounding each other. And we need to operate in the opposite spirit because it's bad. And the most common way that people do this is through gossip and slander. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. So if you're out there fighting the battle and then gossip starts happening, you separate it. And then who knows, one of those enemies, one of those arrows might hit you in the back. And when gossip happens in the body of Christ, you are hurting your fellow brother and sister in the back. When they get wounded, they become less effective. Perhaps they don't feel it at first, but eventually they'll feel that pain. And gossip and division and slander in the body of Christ is kind of like an autoimmune disease. I don't know about you, but it feels like the older I get, the more autoimmune diseases out there. I don't quite understand why. But an autoimmune disease, it's a condition in which your immune system mistakenly attacks your own body. Like the immune system normally guards against germs like bacteria and viruses. But when it senses these foreign invaders, it sends out an army of cells to fight them. Normally, the immune system can tell the difference between your own cells and foreign cells. But when you have an autoimmune disease, the immune system mistakes part of your body as foreign, and it attacks it. And when people have an autoimmune disease, they're sick. They're not healthy. When we do it to each other as a church body, we're not as healthy as we could be. And God wants us to take territory from the enemy. He wants to push forward. He, but in order to do that, it's fierce. Remember, it's like a wrestle and it's intense. You need to be in good shape. We need to be healthy. So when we attack each other through slander and gossip, we are fighting against our own body and that's something that should never happen in church. So let's make up our minds to stand together and protect one another's back and not wound one another. Sound like a good plan? Amen. You know, in fact, let's just take a moment here. Let's just bow our heads and let the Lord search our hearts. Lord, I think this is something we're all guilty of. And it's so easy to do and we just take it so lightly. We forget that sometimes when we do this, when we hurt our fellow Christians, Lord, it hurts you because we are your bride. Lord, when someone messes with my wife, it hurts me. And Lord, when when we mess with your body, Lord, it hurts you. And Lord, we just want to repent. And we want to say we're sorry. Let us do this. Let us be better at this, Lord. Let us be like good soldiers that have each other's back, Lord, that will fight next to each other and support and and love each other, Lord. Amen. So let's move on to the helmet of salvation. That's Ephesians 6, 17. And it says, and take the helmet of salvation, so we talked about the breastplate. The breastplate protects the heart. So the helmet, what does the helmet protect? Your mind, right? Your head. But in a spiritual sense, it's your mind. Because many of the battles that we face are battles that faced in our mind. And something plays with your mind, it's off. Like if you get wounded in your head, you even if you have all the great equipment on, it's hard to function, isn't it? So we need this helmet of salvation to protect us. And you know what? Often, if you've noticed, like Christians who get wounded in their mind, they become a lot less effective. Um, when they get wounded in their mind, they're, they're more susceptible to depression. They mistrust people. They're ready to quit. They doubt people's intentions. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that, we're, that love believes all things, hopes all things, trusts. But when we get wounded in our mind, we... we we start, making, we, we start becoming suspicious. We, we, we're not able to love. And we have, we're, we're not effective Christian people. So we need this helmet to protect our mind. So what does the helmet of salvation mean? Is the, is the helmet of salvation something you automatically get once you get saved? It's a, I'm, not, I'm look, not looking for a verbal answer. I'm just making you think. So says, put on the helmet of salvation. When do you get that? Like when you get saved? Well, it's a little bit debatable. Um, some people think it is, but personally, I don't. I think it's a different because it wouldn't make sense because Paul is writing to Christians who are already saved and he's telling them to put on the helmet of salvation. And sometimes in, you know, when, when things are a little debatable, you use other parts of scripture to help clarify that scripture. So that's what I'm gonna do. Let's, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. And it gives a little bit explanation of what the helmet of salvation is. It says, but since we belong to the day, let us, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So it says that, it explains what the helmet is. It says it's not salvation itself, but the hope of salvation. So the protection of the mind from the helmet of salvation is hope. What do I mean by hope? Put a little definition together. I think it's a nice one. It says, hope is a quiet, steady expectation of good based on the promises of God's word. In a sense, hope is like continuing optimism. You see God in everything. You know God's going to work everything out for your good. And hope is optimism. And an optimistic attitude always sees the best. It it will never give way to depression, to doubt, or self-pity. It reminds me of a story of a, of a dad, and he had two, two extreme sons. One was an extreme pessimist, one was an extreme optimist, and he's like, man, how can I fix this? So he had an idea. So for the pessimistic son, he filled that kid's uh, room with all the toys that he can imagine. And then the optimistic son, he filled his room with horse manure. So he, he sent both his kids into the rooms, and so he goes into the pessimist son, and he, 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 he walks in there, and he sees his son. He's on the ground. He's crying. And he's like, why are you crying? He goes, you have a room full of the best toys ever. And he's like, yeah, thanks, Dad. But if I start playing, I know I'm going to break one. And it's like, ah. So then he goes to the optimist son. And he, he opens the door. And to his horror, there's a big pile of manure in there. This son is in there looking around and all over him. And he's like, son, what on earth are you doing? He's like, I know there's a horse in here somewhere, Dad. <laughs> But we are called to have hope to be optimists, especially during these days. You know what? I don't know about you. I've, uh, there's a couple really optimistic people that I know, and it's been really helpful this year because, like, when I'm down in the dumps, I go to them, and then all of a sudden they're they're like, the, the glass is half full, and, you know, you you, you leave, and you're really encouraged. Um, and one of my favorite scriptures that really kind of capsulizes is Romans 8.28. Probably a lot of you have this memorized. It's a famous scripture. It says, And we know that all things work together to good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If we really know that what happens in our life is being worked out by God for our good, then there's never a reason for pessimism. In every situation, there's a reason for optimism, and optimism is that helmet. While we keep it on, our minds are protected against all of Satan's attacks, against doubt, discouragement, self-pity, mistrust, depression, disillusionment. When we have the helmet of salvation on hope, we will be looking for God in every circumstances of our life. And because it says, if we look at Romans 8:28 again, it says, for we know that all things work together. And all things are the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I don't know, so many people, like imagine right after the election, I knew a lot of people who were just really down in the dumps. But in all things, when your candidate won, when your candidate didn't win, God can work it out for your good. Can you imagine if we had this helmet on so tight that our lens in everything in this life would be that, you know what? Yeah, this is a bummer, but God's going to use it somehow, some way. Think of it like if you lost your job, all things. God can use that for your benefit. If your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you, all things. God can use that for your good. What about cancer? That's like the worst thing. I mean, how could God use that? Interesting. A couple years ago, I uh, went to Donna V Hill, She has a cancer support group. It's very encouraging. It was great. And they were going around and telling their story. And one of the guys says, cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. I was like, what? You must have had a little too much chemo or something. I, I don't know. And, you know, he started to explain. He says, before cancer, my priorities were all messed up. I was distant from my family. I didn't care about anything. And I got right with God. I got right with my family. And I know exactly, I'm so thankful and I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I was like, wow, God used cancer for good for this guy. What are your all things? Do you have a couple lists of all things like, I don't know, God, you must've been sleeping on this one. How can you work this out? He can he, whatever your all thing is, God will work it out for your good. He will. He will. And we need to keep that helmet of salvation on, the helmet of hope, the helmet of optimism, because so many things come our way. And if the enemy gets in our mind and we start doubting at the core of our being, the Bible says a double-minded, mind is, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But when you have the helmet of salvation, it keeps you focused, it keeps you without doubt. Hebrews 6.19, it's a beautiful picture of the nature of hope. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. So this, this, this scripture says, likens hope to an anchor for our soul. It's like we're a little boat on the sea, and everything around us is temporal, unreliable, changing, There's nothing to give us security or stability. If we are to have security and stability, we need an anchor. And an anchor that reaches out of time into eternity and fastens in the rock of ages. The anchor is hope in Jesus. When we have hope, we're anchored. And that hope in Jesus is an anchor that reaches out of time to eternity into the very presence of God. That's what we need. And Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Paul is saying, keep on hoping, don't give up, be an optimist. It's the helmet of salvation of hope that will keep that piece of, vital piece of armor over your mind and you'll be a better soldier for it. So the helmet of salvation, don't leave home without it. So I wanna invite up the worship team. And I wanna pray here and just I have a couple of responses if, if perhaps God touched you during this message, but just close your eyes right now. Let's just wait on God. Lord, thank you that you are the anchor in our lives and we need an anchor as a church, as a nation, as individuals, as families, And we look to you as our anchor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I just want to give an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, the Bible says the lost are without hope, without God in this world, without Jesus. And all you have to do is surrender your life to him. And things might not necessarily change on the outside, but you'll have this hope, this peace that only Jesus can give. So many of us have experienced it here, and it changed our lives. We, 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 we said no to all the other things that the Lord told us not to, gladly just to be with Jesus. So if that's you this morning, if you're saying, you know what? I want to give my life to the Lord, or, or I need to rededicate my life to the Lord, I just want to give you an opportunity. If that's you, just, just raise your hand this morning. If you're saying, you know what? I, I need you, Jesus. I need you to be the hope of my life. All right. And then the other two people I want to talk to are, maybe you need more faith. Your faith has been shattered, you know? You need to pick up the shield of faith. It's just kind of on the ground, a little bit dusty. And the Lord wants you to hold it and, prote- and, and be protected from the fiery darts. Not only you, but your children, your grandchildren, your friends, those around you. And then there's you, and then there's some who've kind of lost hope. You've been focusing on the wrong thing. You haven't worn that helmet. If that's you, um, right now I'm gonna ask the ministry team. If you're on the ministry team, can you come to the sign where it says need prayer? So there's gonna be some people over here who's gonna pray for you. And um, specifically, if you need if you need more faith, if you need more hope in your life. You know, it's interesting, this interaction, when, when you have someone pray for you, it just it helps your faith. And sometimes just the act of walking down is scary, but it's an act of faith that God, God will bless you. So we're going to sing a song here, a closing song. So just stay seated and just have a time with God. If you want get prayer, the team is up here, and then I'll come back in a second and close the service. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.